0: That sound is every driver's worst fear. How much will the repairs cost? Is it your engine, your transmission, or worse? A car breakdown could cost you thousands to repair, but not if you have CarShield. CarShield administrators pay your claims directly to the mechanic or dealer of your choice, saving you time and money. Call CarShield today before your next breakdown. Call 800-752-2149. That's 800-752-2149.
1: The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski,
2: Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome in to episode two fifty one of the Natural Hat Trick podcast, alongside Craig Morgan, the Natty Hatty on my new mic, scary I mean, stereo. Craig Morgan
0: and Jamie Eisner. Just, it's weird.
2: I feel like Craig's coming in a little flat today. Yeah. Yeah, a little pitchy, actually. Uh, I'm Luke Lipinski. And I got to be honest, Craig, this is the first time I think I've ever heard you in, uh, it, it, at full volume. 250 <laughs> episodes. I didn't know what you sounded like. Well, that's actually a better response. It's still insulting, but still a better response than Jamie just gave me, <laughs>
0: yeah. especially since he's the one who recommended I spend all this money. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure oh, that, he that's is uh, an uh, the
1: joke, in went that over, this joke went over everybody's head. If you, if you remember, uh, if you if we are recording this on, I don't even what day is it anymore? Does it does it even matter?
2: No, it Wednesday. doesn't matter. It is Wednesday. I believe,
1: I believe somebody had a flat tire today.
2: Ah, uh, Well, hmm. let's see. Let's process of elimination. I actually didn't have one for once. Jamie, was it you? I haven't left the house in months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig, were you actually driving somewhere or was it just... I was trying to go to Coyote's camp. Oh, okay. Didn't Did work you, out so Well, no. It wasn't like some angry Minnesota Wild fan that slashed your tire because they've heard our podcast? Could be. I don't know. But I did successfully change the tire in
0: 103-degree heat. And being a veteran of changing tires in this heat, I actually had a towel to kneel on, so I didn't have to kneel on the hot pavement. I had gloves to wear, so I didn't have to touch the molten lug nuts. And I did it in about 30 minutes, which is probably not pit crew time, but not bad. The Molten Lugnuts a great band, Lug band name and an
1: awesome junior hockey team sounds yeah. like <laughs> from Molten Canada, Molten Ontario there, There's got to
2: be a Molten somewhere in, in like Saskatchewan <laughs> Molten Lugnuts I like it it's perfect it's, it's like just south of Moose Jaw I'm pretty sure Yeah <laughs> it's a suburb if Moose Jaw has suburbs Molten is one of them and they have a a great junior B team called the Molten Lugnuts All right let's uh let's start with the fact gentlemen that the as we record this the Coyotes have an exhibition game in 8 days but um we are 10 days away from the playoffs or play-ins or qualifying round or whatever this is being called today. We're 10 days away from it starting. And there's a lot of games on every day and I'm not leaving my house. I'm the same. I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Um, The one exhibition game. I'm curious how you guys feel about that. I I think a lot of coaches were hoping they'd get at least two, maybe three and one exhibition game. hmm, That doesn't do a lot. I know pretty much every team out there is scrimmaging a lot right now to try and, simulate that game action but it's, it's not going to happen it's not going to be the same thing so it just feels like we're jumping right into it I, again i have no idea what we're going to see
1: i have no idea what we're going to see even for these exhibition games i mean how how tightly are these games going to be checked how how hard are these guys going to play like i just it's you walk in that fine line between you have to knock some of this rust off before the games count but nobody wants to get hurt in the exhibition round and go through this entire process and then not be able to play in the play-in games, especially if you're you know, a higher seeded team that thinks that they have a longer run in them. So I don't know. It, it's going to be, it, there's so many unknowns. That's what makes it so interesting. We always talk every year about how it's the Stanley cup tournament is always the most unpredictable playoffs in sports and good luck trying to predict what's going to happen this year.
2: Yeah, I, I think we're going to look back when all is said and done and be like, okay, not having very many exhibition games favor this kind of team or something. like It, it favors the Torontos and the Pittsburghs of the world or hurts them. I don't know. But we're. I, I'm sort of with you, Craig, That, or maybe I'm with the coaches, that two would make more sense. But on the other hand, I was almost surprised to even see one. I mean, we're not going to see any in the NFL in terms of preseason, but the NBA is getting three. So uh, I guess this is in the middle or as close to in the middle as you're going to get. But um, I, I just – we saw last year in the playoffs, both number one seeds lose in the first round and all four wild cards advance and everything. And hockey always has that, that sort of um, reputation more than the other sports where anything can go in the first couple rounds of the playoffs. But this year, it is, it is that 10 times over. I have no idea what to expect. And by the way, we're going to make predictions on today's show.
1: Well, and I think this further highlights the point we've been trying to make on the last few shows that the real advantage here belongs to the round robin teams because they're going to have a lot bigger, a lot more opportunities to get fully up to speed for whenever these other opponents come in, whether it's after three games, four games or five games. But I'm not sure there's a real tangible advantage or disadvantage we're going to find specifically have, for the teams that are playing in the opening round, whether they had one game or two. I think it's going to give way to what we've seen happen because you brought up the NFL and what we're going to see happen this year as well to a, a bigger extent. It's going to open its way to sloppy play across the board early on, and that's kind of what we've seen in the NFL for teams that like, don't go through the preseason, like the Rams, for example. It takes them a few games to actually get up and going, and they have to fight through a lot of issues early on. You don't get a long time. It's a five-game series, but I think the first couple games are going to be extremely sloppy for everybody involved.
0: That's one of the things, actually, when I look at the Coyotes in particular that I think is concerning. Um, Their identity is a defensive identity. Now, I think defensive structure generally takes a little longer to – sort of relearn to reestablish maybe it's not a big deal because you're playing Nashville this is not a great offensive team they're they're pretty similar in a lot of ways but that's something to watch I think in this postseason for teams that are predicated on that defensive identity like like the Islanders for instance can they can they establish that right away and have success or is that going to be a problem
2: yeah I mean when you say sloppy play my first thought is it's not going to look as good. There's probably going to be more offense though. So I think we're all sort of on the same page there. And that doesn't mean that's going to translate to all eight of these series, but and we'll talk about the Toronto and Columbus. I don't know. I, I have a lot of respect for John Tortorella, obviously, but I'll save it until we get to that, uh, that preview, I guess. I, I team like Toronto though. I feel like is in a pretty good spot in this opening round. If I were, if
1: I had to guess, and this is, it's, it's all it is. At this point, we're guessing this. We've never been in this situation before. My guess is going to be that the only advantage is going to be for the elite offensive players, that if you, that the teams that have in, in one, two, sometimes in case three elite offensive players, that is where their advantage is going to be because uh, you know, a 70% of a, of Malkin, for example, is way, it, it's just the production. You're still going to get a high level of production out of that player versus 70% of just, you know, because you've just written about t- written about today in sort article, Kyle Turris, for example, about the pick on Kyle Turris. But you know what I mean? Where I, I think the teams where when we'll get into we get into the East, but with the Malkins, the Crosbys, the Panarins, with these high with these elite game changing offensive forwards. I think that might be the advantage because those guys can be off their game a little bit and still be highly productive. But a lot of those mid level guys or system related guys, it's going to be a while for them to get in tune. Like those guys can create their own offense versus needing to facilitate with their teammates to create more offense.
0: To jump on top of that, what, what are we going to see from goaltending early on, too? I, that's another thing I don't know. I, you know, we talk about the Coyotes' advantage in goal with, with Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta and the format, maybe. Uh, insisting that they use both of those goaltenders but are these guys going to be sharp right out of the gate it, it usually t- takes goalies a little while to get going too so yet another variable to consider
2: uh i well, I talked I actually talked to Taylor Hall since the last time we did this show and he said the thing in his mind it's going to fall on guys specifically to the coyotes he said guys like him Phil Kessel, and Connor Garland those are the three guys he pointed out that it, it's going to it's it is the responsibility falls on skill forwards to start quickly and i mean it sounds sort of simple but it's it makes a lot of sense right it's essentially what we're all saying just in a different way if you have guys that can go out there and put the puck in the net they need to do it early and there yeah there'll be a couple outliers that are guys that aren't typical goal scorers that that just Somebody that's not all that good offensively is going to have two goals in the first two games or something in one of these series. But generally speaking... Why you so sign them to a four-year deal? <laughs> generally speaking, it's going to take... A, it's You need your stars to be your stars early on. Because to your point, Craig, all this time, I've thought if you have goaltending, you're going to have a serious advantage. And you will because it's the playoffs. But I just wonder how much that's going to come into play in the first round when things, I think, are going to be a, a lot flukier. Um, as far as that first round... Saturday August 1st. 5 games back to the back. And I don't know about you guys, but the the round robin games like I'm still going to watch them probably cuz it's hockey and I've been waiting forever, but those ones don't hold nearly as much weight to me. If there is a an actual qualifying round game on, I need to watch it. And so I don't think I'm when well, that Saturday is all qualifying. Yeah, that's the thing. And yeah, that
1: it, they, they were nice. Like the schedule, I already praised them a couple episodes ago because this is going to be awesome for them and a great opportunity for for fans of hockey and fans of just sports that are kind of like, you know, maybe they're not huge hockey fans. Maybe they tune in for the postseason normally, but now we'll be very, very much inclined to tune in. Uh, that a, that they did, they did the schedule this way. We can basically go wall-to-wall, March Madness-style hockey. And B, that they stuck Vancouver, Minnesota as the very, very last game at 10.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. So just brilliant, <laughs> brilliant scheduling across the board. Uh, but the, the, that Saturday, I, I've already joked with you guys. It, it's, I am sitting on my couch. I am ordering weight. I'm spending way too much money in Uber Eats. So I'm glad it's the first of the month. Uh, and I'm not moving all day. Like from, from, I will, I will set my alarm on my phone and by 9am, I am sitting on my couch watching. I think it's a uh, Hurricanes Uh, Rangers, I think is the yep, first game
2: that starts in Chicago Edmonton. Yeah. I'm just rolling from there. What, what are the Can't start wait. times of the first and last games
0: that day? Cause we're going to have exactly. overtime too, by the way, that stretches the schedule. On yeah, Saturday? So, so Pacific <laughs> time. Well, so yeah, it's nine AM.
1: Nine nine A. M. and seven thirty. Those those are the two uh nine A.m. on Saturday and then the last game is seven thirty PM puck drop. Uh on Sunday, eleven AM start and then seventh, which is the Coyote's Predators game, uh, and then seven thirty PM uh on Sunday as well as the last game. So
2: But that's what's great though, on Monday. Monday the first game is at nine AM and the last game starts at seven thirty PM. So you're you're looking at more than 12 hours of consecutive hockey on Monday too. It's going to feel like the Olympics in some ways where, you know, like even if you're not home all the time scores, there's always scores to check. How do you feel about a a 14 hour show? I'm in. in. I'll be here. (laughs) I assume we were going to keep doing this show until the
1: playoffs uh, officially begin. You've already set the precedent of eating into the mic on the show. So any of us are just, you know, we'd just be following in your footsteps at that point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Dress codes. There are none. Discuss. I, I,
0: I, oh, they've relaxed the suit rule, which is which is kind of cool. I mean, why do they have to wear suits when nobody's around to see them? I, I guess there could be some cameras down in the hallway seeing them come in. And, and that's for that reason, I think some coaches are still being a little too strict, I think, with this. I mean, you don't want to see guys. I don't care what guys are wearing, to be honest. I don't care if guys walk in in pajamas. I really don't. <laughs> but I, I think most teams are going to institute some sort of rule. The Coyotes, I've heard, are going to have – black lululemon track suits that they wear Ooh, nice exciting. okay are yeah, so you guys wearing lululemon at home i, I yeah obviously you
1: can't see it i, I, I am not uh, yeah usually teams fall into one of the other two components here it seems like it's either wear suits or wear team branded athletic gear that kind of seems like the so they'll lean toward the ladder there i, I mean i don't i don't care i, I want to see one anything.
2: team I, show up in full gear that's what i like, say like they get out of the bus fun. in full gear uh, just be
1: wild, but like I, I don't care either way. Like, like I like to me, I, I don't. And maybe I'm, I'm apparently I'm the weird one for my demographic. But like I don't care about the like the NBA pregame walk in and what people are. I don't care. And I also, by the way, have a. I fully believe in the fashion uh, statement that I have come up with, which is oh, that boy. things don't have to be fashionable if you're just famous and you wear whatever. That's what fashion becomes. Because there's some <laughs> god awful things that. Athletes wear pregame that become fashionable because they're professional athletes and because they're famous. Are
2: you speaking? With that? Are you speaking about LeBron's uh, short suits where he was well, wearing no. shorts? I mean, with suits. Th- that oh, those, would be a, a primary example. Okay, let's really... let's
0: restrict us to the NHL. Give us your examples.
2: Ooh, I have
1: I have to go look because I'm thinking more of the other sports. But do you yeah, like or...
0: the short pants on the suit? No,
1: no, that's <laughs> awful. that doesn't take off. LeBron it's an awful it. look. I also don't also. like dress shoes with no socks. I don't.
2: Oh well, you're out I know. No NHL player owns socks, apparently, based on the the last it's, year's it's- worth of walk-ins. It's it's in right
1: now, so I'm told. But I, I don't know. It just it's it's weird to me. Like I I'm not going to wear dress shoes with no socks.
2: I've never heard anybody go out of their way to to make sure they are not mistaken for being trendy or fashionable the way Jamie does. <laughs> to be fair, nobody's ever made that mistake before. No, so that's, that's well. I don't, I don't yeah. have to try that hard. <laughs> when you do the show, you need to realize that Gilbert Anthony is out there thinking much more highly of you than you deserve. So you kind of try and live up to that. That is true. Uh, testing protocols so far so good. I mean, with we'll keep this just to the NHL, but I, I want to use the NBA as the example of you know they're in the bubble and they've been in the bubble and their their testing numbers are really good with the NBA. My thought is if your numbers are good now, they really shouldn't get bad because you're in that bubble. With the NHL, to me, this is the critical period. This next, what the yep. Coyotes leave this weekend for Edmonton. I mean, this is the biggest stretch right here. When you start getting these tests back a week from now, that's going to tell us the full story. Yeah. It looks like Boston's the only threat. (laughs) That that
0: was a weird story. Uh, Your GM coming out saying he wishes a couple players had made different choices. Kosh and uh, Pasternak, who uh, are supposed to get back on the ice once they get to Toronto,
2: but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of an important player too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I guess. uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess some of those round robin teams have a little bit extra leeway because I mean, if those players don't play in those games, or whatever, but. I don't know. It's, I'm encouraged, but the real test is coming up. And the other test is going to be once family and friends start to be allowed. And then although, the, I mean, there, there, there are certain stages, and I'm not going to pretend like I can predict or anybody can predict what what's going to happen two weeks from now, considering how many things change all the time. But it's encouraging, at least in the fact that they're playing in both in Canadian cities is very encouraging, even if one of the buildings is flooding. <laughs>
2: just when we did the show last week and I was like feeling good about this and then you go online and there's, there's not even any particular reason that Edmonton's arena is just flooding. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Mm. you see down, down, yeah, I guess that's the reason. Did you guys, uh, did you see down goes Brown's tweet when they were talking about how they need to uh, rebuild the hall? And he's like, well, Edmonton has to rebuild with a hall. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Oh it's a pretty solid call. line, oh, and fine. it is our segue into the. Uh, should we just do like a weekly segment on Taylor Hall and his future with the Coyotes? Uh,
0: I guess we could. It probably it would probably sell the show. <laughs> well, Craig, what would you like, like to talk about, Luke? Okay. Um, my my notebook that you haven't read yet. Uh, you know, which yes. Jamie has read from start to end. Jamie had somebody read it to
2: him. Well, no, he got, uh, one, I mean. It I mean, people,
1: So yeah, I got people. Two, oh. have you subscribed yet, Luke? Maybe that's why you can't read it. Maybe that's no. why you haven't read it yet.
2: Trust me, there's going to be a party when I subscribe and it's going to be outstanding. Did mm. you subscribe? <laughs> I, I did. Oh, wow. I feel worse than it's Jamie. It's going right to be the, be <laughs> the best day party. One. You, th- you throw the best parties. I do. You, you guys aren't invited. You can watch huge. through Zoom if you want. You're just going
1: like, to throw confetti around the
2: closet you're in? Yeah. Yeah, And then I'm going to have somebody else clean it up because I'm not cleaning up this confetti closet. Uh, So the,
0: the news that I think everybody is aware of at this point is that there was a meeting, a dinner meeting, between Coyotes owner Alex Morello, his son Alex Jr., new president and CEO Javier Gutierrez, and Taylor Hall. What happened at that meeting is... Depends on who you ask. Uh, it sounds like uh, an offer was made. It sounds like it was an offer that most people believe is below market value. Um, John Chayka was not at this meeting. There was some confusion as to why that was the case. Uh, I, I spoke to one source that said Chayka actually planned it, and then I talked to a source that another source that said no, that's not accurate at all. Chayka did not plan it. It it's a weird look to have the team president uh, sitting in with a player. Now, if this were just a meet and greet maybe that's okay. And it's certainly okay for a a team president to get involved in a major financial decision for a franchise. That's part of the reason he's here, but to not have Chica there, I think is odd. And if the president starts stepping in and doing these duties, you know, handling contract negotiations, that's not a good look for this franchise. To me, it's a sign of dysfunction in the front office.
2: When you, when you talk about an offer potentially being lower than what people were expecting, We've touched on this before, but it's hard to know what a good offer is going to look like this offseason. But at the same time, you only need one team, whether that's Calgary or Colorado or some other team we're not thinking of to step in and just make a huge offer. And then, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what what all of the pandemic and the time off and and fans not being at games doesn't matter what that has done to the market. If one team steps in and is willing to, to pay or overpay, depending on your view. Right. So. I, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna cost a lot of money to keep Taylor Hall. There, there's no way around that.
0: It is, but I, you know, it, it, I'm glad you brought up the the current market because I don't nobody that I know of has written extensively about what it looks like right now. And you're going to get clearly one answer from agents and another from executives, and the truth is going to be somewhere in between. But it's really hard to say right now if you know it, we, we assumed all along. I think that Taylor Hall's market value uh, on an average annual basis was somewhere between eight and 11 million and he'd like to sign a long-term contract. The Coyotes of course can offer the eighth year that nobody else can because they have him. But is that still the case? Not only do you have COVID, but you have a lot of cap strap teams anyway. We know the cap's going to be flat. It's, it's changed the market a bit. And again, I don't have a sense of just how much. And, and in that light the offer that the Coyotes may have made Taylor Hall might not be as crazy as it is it first looked. I still think it sounds low, but, I don't know at this point.
2: Yeah, I've, I've yeah. been getting. Oh, go ahead,
1: Jamie. So the other thing that that becomes extremely interesting, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast was that because you're going to see you see all these deals that go around, and um, you know, particularly in the NFL, because of some of the big deals that happen. Let's say Patrick Mahomes, for example but you can't play around with cap numbers in the NHL like you can elsewhere. There there are other, you know, in the NFL between where you have money on certain roster bonuses versus signing bonuses versus how much cash, like you, you can, you can mess with cap hits. You can restructure contracts down the road, which is what's going to happen with Mahomes. It's not a 10 year contract, but we won't get into that. But you can, you can do all of those things to help alleviate. You have to pay the piper eventually, but you can keep kicking the can down the road. You can't do that in the NHL anymore, and you can't renegotiate those deals. You can't mess with cap hits like you could 15 years ago. Uh, You you can't do some of those things now. And as we've kind of seen across all – well, this goes to pretty much many companies, but let's go with stay in sports. Everybody's kind of plans ahead as the best-case scenario for the cap, and then everybody's kind of scrambling across the entire sports world to figure out how we get back there now that things are going back. Nobody could have predicted this this pandemic happening you know two years ago in this, but general managers at least by and large tend to kind of have an idea, a range of where the cap is going, even whether it 's one year, two years, three years down the road, how close it is to a CBA being done, all that other, all those other factors so deals are kind of done with that in mind, and even if it 's not specifically about the coyotes, but more general managing in general across sports, it becomes an issue. When all of a sudden, not only is the cap not going up, but in a lot of cases, it's going down in other sports and staying flat in the NHL for a while. And we don't exactly know, depending on certain revenue, when fans are allowed back in the stands. We don't know exactly when that curve is going to start to go up again uh, as far as the salary cap goes. So that creates all all these issues. And it probably takes more teams out of the running for a big free agent. But it also, like you said, Luke, it only takes one. That's all that matters.
2: I have a feeling we have one or two Taylor Hall questions in the listener questions portion. So I feel like we should get to the previews here. So we don't have a nine hour podcast, but before we jump into those, any, any of the awards finalists that have been announced that you specifically want to talk about?
0: I wanted to make one more point on the Chica thing before this. Uh, I know there's a lot of speculation that maybe his job's in jeopardy now because Javier Gutierrez stepped in here. I don't sense that's the case at all. In fact, I think that's just wild speculation uh, John Craig just signed a contract extension it runs through 2324 he's not going anywhere uh, i I've, I've had brief conversations with Alex Morello and he's raved about this guy he's not going anywhere i don't think they're moving him out or this is some sort of punishment for the league investigation into fitness testing players before the the draft lottery or the the draft combine none of that's at play here it's just a it's a, it's a weird look here and again as i said earlier if this becomes a habit with the team president I, I don't think that's a good look for the front office.
2: In terms of the uh, the finalists, I know we talked about uh, our own predictions a while back, and I know neither one of you guys had David Pasternak as a finalist for the MVP, and I don't have a problem. Obviously, Drysdale should win. McKinnon should be the runner-up, and Panarin has done plenty to be a finalist, so I, I, I'm not going to argue with it, but can we just go ahead and say that Pasternak will never be a finalist for the Hart Trophy then if, if what he's done this year is not good enough? Unless we have a repeat of one of the that year where Jamie Ben won the scoring title with like seventeen points from I don't know six or seven years ago, especially when, it's, it, when he doesn't show up in time for camp,
1: <laughs> it's going to be hard to get multiple wingers on yeah. on that. In, in theory, Vegas stage, obviously not this year, but it, it's going to be difficult.
2: Forty eight goals though in seventy no. games, I mean that, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. You know the one that bothered me even more um, when when I looked at the Calder finalists, uh, the top two were pretty obvious. Yeah, Michael McCarr and, 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 and Quinn Hughes, but to have Dominique Kubalik on there, and I'm, a, I'm obviously a Blackhawk fan, yeah, but I, I really thought Mackenzie Blackwood belonged in there. I, goalies, I think, get overlooked in this all the time, and I, I thought he did far more than enough to, to at least be a finalist. Or Elvis. Yeah, or Elvis, yeah. Oh. One of those two goalies, Probably, I, I would have selected either of those goalies ahead of Kubalik.
2: But that's just because you know Kubalik's getting traded in two years anyway, so it's, you, you're not getting too attached this time. I do tend to watch blackout games too, yeah.
1: or, or even, I mean, not goldie, but John Marino, I yeah.
2: mean, like they're, they're,
1: but again, th- that person wasn't going to win. So, I mean, it, there's, I
2: don't know. Uh, how much, how much anger have you heard from, and I don't even know who these people are that are mad that McDavid's not a finalist and think he deserves it more than dry Are those confused Oilers fans who don't realize dry on the team or are they just people that haven't watched hockey this year?
1: Uh, they're just people that want to complain to complain.
2: I mean, I just, I mean is the logic just give McDavid the heart trophy every single year, no matter what he or anybody else does. There are some that have that. Yes. Okay. All right. I also,
0: by the way, we, since we're talking about this, Jack Adams, do you think yeah. Dave Tippett belonged on that list? Yes. yes, yes. I, I, he gets, you know, it's, oh, he's got two of the best players in the world. You're right. Look at look at what every previous coach did with those guys. You
2: know, that's uh, You can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. sit there and say, Dave Tippett's not going to be able to coach these guys. And then he comes in and they both are, at least collectively as a team, I should say, they're better than they've ever been. And and then sit there and say, well, yeah, but he's got McDavid and Drysidle. What, what right. good of a job is it? Like, that doesn't... I would have probably actually honestly had Dave Tippett winning it. And I would have had Mike Sullivan as a finalist because... Pittsburgh is their entire yes. team. What is it in terms of in, in terms, terms of minutes of, per game lost? Yes, number they one for anybody.
1: Yeah. Uh, who would you have taken off that top three? Because for me, it's probably Vigneault as much yeah. as I like him. I, I here's, here's the issue I have with that. And it's I, I don't know again, you're, you're splitting hairs when you get to the top here, but that team has been is extremely talented. They're finally getting some goaltending. I I don't know if like he he's a good coach, but I don't know if this year was an exceptional coaching job versus just they lived up to expectations because they finally had not abhorrent goaltending. Like I don't know
2: if that deserves to win the award. He's he's a good coach that I think is traditionally underrated. I mean, Correct. we've seen him lose his job a couple times now, and I don't think it was his fault. And I well, think he won't because he's not
1: going to he's not going win the Jack Adams, so he's fine.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I, and I also think Philadelphia has underachieved for the last few years, although like you said, it's because they haven't had goaltending. But they just went on a crazy run right before the the league went on pause. Otherwise, they're just a playoff team. They're just Carolina or whatever, or they, you know, whoever. They're they're just sort of a mid tier playoff team. And he, no, Dave Tippett, I honestly think should win the award. And like I said, Mike Sullivan probably would have been my second choice. And then it's, I mean, it's hard to argue with Cassidy with the season Boston has had. It's really hard to argue with Tortorella considering all the pieces they lost. But yeah. Vigneault would have been fifth on my list.
1: Yeah, I think I would have gone Tortorella, some combination of Tortorella, Sullivan,
2: um, and Tippett. I'm I'm stunned. Tippett's not on there.
1: Well, again, it, it's, this is about moving the goalposts, and I think we I think that that point was brought up between you two on the on the group chat of, you know, now it's like, oh well, you know, he couldn't coach young players, and now it's like, oh well, you know, but it's not fair because he's got McDavid and Drysidle,
0: and yeah, and like, he didn't know how to coach offense either. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, which
1: I think, as you point out, Craig, uh, yeah, because having me David and settles really worked out for the Oilers so far.
2: All right. So let's jump into these Eastern Conference uh, playoff series, and we'll just do the qualifying round. Obviously, uh, we'll do the East this week, and we will do the Western Conference with a, an emphasis on the Coyotes series with Nashville, certainly next week as well. Gentlemen, I think we should begin with the uh, Penguins series. How do we feel about that? Hmm. Uh, of course we should. Did you bring your ducks?
0: I mean, you're at home. Can we see your ducks? Yeah the the ducks are not here. Ah, mm-hmm. And uh where are they? Mm-hmm. They are in a different portion of the house right now
2: ah, and uh, this is sure. their nap time.
0: They a like to take different portion of the house. Yes,
2: they like to Just, take a late afternoon uh siesta. I have some questions. Okay.
0: Does that portion of the house have windows? Um <laughs> No, not necessarily. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't um, want them to see the other ducks and make them all jealous. How much movement is possible in that other portion of the house?
2: Uh, I mm. mean, there's there's plenty for for a, a small collection of ducks. They they've got. Uh, have you ever seen Toy Story? I imagine it's a lot like that when I walk out of the room. Okay, okay. food and water. Uh, you, one or the other, usually. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Obviously, obviously things are going to get a lot more um, luxurious now that the playoffs have started. You have to keep your ducks in a row. Are they going to be on the couch with you? Yeah. yeah, I need to see that photo. There will be a picture of that. All right. Number five, Pittsburgh against number 12, Montreal in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Max Domi is going to play. I think we all agree Montreal is the least deserving of the 24 teams that are in this tournament, although I understand why they're in there. Uh, But I also don't think any team... Is really that much of a shock if they win in round one? If Montreal goes on a run in these playoffs, I will be stunned. But if they win in round one, I really won't. So, I guess we start net guys with Carey Price. What do you What do you expect from him after this layoff and in in kind of an up and down season he was having? I
0: have no idea what to expect from any goaltender, as I said earlier. But are we in agreement that if the Canadians are going to win this series, it will be because of Carey Price? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Jamie has an alternate take. I do, okay. Uh, I will fire away. Is this somehow money related? No, yeah,
1: this okay. is a if if <laughs> the if the Montreal Canadiens are going to win this series, it's because of Matt Murray. Mm, I don't um, like that because uh, that's see. that's actually. I see what yeah. you did
2: there. That's hurtful yeah. to Luke. No, but he's right. I mean, so keep Matt going, Murray's please. Starting, yeah.
1: Uh, look, <laughs> it just look. Carey Price has been this. See again, it's. Uh, I have to use what he's done this year. I know some of the stuff was not going to apply after you know eighteen thousand months off, but was That's a lot of time off. The, the definition of a average goalie this year. Uh He right, you know, he. I went to look up the numbers and it goal saved above averages stat we've talked about before. Uh, I'd be mean, just over zero. It's zero point two seven thirty seventh in the league. He was average. He was average all season long. I, I just I don't I don't think yes he's been a great goalie but and sure any goalie can be great over a three four five game stretch but I don't think that's the key to me I think the key is the only way that they win this series is if Pittsburgh loses it and to me the only way they lose it is if Matt Murray's a the starter and b plays like he did for most of the season where he was abysmal he has a seventh worst goal saved above average and even strength this year
2: yeah he was tired league year. and he was terrible against Washington the year Washington won the cup um under 90% save percentage and even strength this year. I mean, yeah. it, it's been
1: abysmal for him. Jari has been so much better uh, across the board there. I know he doesn't have playoff experience. He has Memorial Cup experience. He won the Memorial Cup with uh, the Oil Kings. And I know, that, again, you might laugh at that, but I do think some level of playing in... At, at that moment, that was the biggest game of his life.
2: Well, and, I'm not and laughing the at the biggest that. stress
1: of that. But it, it's it's not the Stanley Cup, and I get that. But it, it's I, I'll give a little, just a, a smidge of credit, like, football players that win the national championship. You get a smidge of credit of knowing what it's like to be in that biggest game of your life in the moment uh, scenario. And he's been by far their best goaltender this year.
2: I would just say, I mean, when Murray won the Stanley Cup, he had no playoff experience either, and he was able to step in. And sometimes that works in your favor if you don't really have the time to overthink it or you don't know so much that you get up in your own head. I mean, (laughs) the Penguins are never going to be you're never going to trash Matt Murray because he won two Stanley Cups before he was technically up for Rookie of the Year voting. I mean that that's absurd what he was able to do and step in for that team. But he was horrible this year, and he has shown flashes of not being good in the past. I'm probably still going with him in Game One, but I really don't like the idea of juggling goalies in these first couple um in these first couple games of a series. And I I really have to think about it as if I haven't already because I trust Jari a lot more. I really do. If this if this series was starting not after a four month break, I would go Jari for sure because he was in more although Murray I guess did play his best hockey towards the end of the regular season. But I guess I, I in a lot of ways I am more the way Montreal wins this series is Carey Price has to play very well and frustrate the Penguins' offense. But yeah, I think it would look a lot like that series against Philadelphia in 2012, where they just kept scoring goals and it didn't even matter because their goaltender was giving up. In that case, Mark Andre Fleury was giving up more goals. So there's I definitely just, a path for me where Montreal could win this.
0: I just, I just don't. Uh, of all the series that I look at, I think this one's the most lopsided. I, you know, look, you can talk about Carey Price, and I, you know, I, I said that that's the one way they win. I, I do believe that, but. Yeah, I, I suppose if, if Matt Murray is awful or Pittsburgh's goaltending is awful, I just think Pittsburgh's so much better, and they're healthy. Now, Jake Hensel's back. This, yes. and, and, again, we don't know what to expect from that, but Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh did this with with smoke and mirrors with the injuries they had. They're going to be healthy. They're so much better than Montreal. I don't think this is going to be much of a series at all.
2: Pittsburgh's going to sweep this or win it in four games. Almost like their coach should have been a Jack Adams finalist yeah, you for know, the job huh? he did over the course of the it, season. It's an interesting my, thought.
1: My other concern too with Montreal is what happens when that top line is off the ice. I mean, that, that top line is, was it's sneaky, really, really good this year with Denal uh, Gallagher uh, and Tatar. But when that lines off the ice, they don't have enough pieces there. I love, Petrie had an extremely underrated season, but I don't think it's a particularly deep decor. Like I said, Price has been average. Yeah, he could have some big games, but he's been average all year. Uh, I, I, I can't see a way Pittsburgh plays even – their best and loses the series. Like They would have to just completely implode.
2: It is the most lopsided series on paper. I'll give you guys that. Again, though, the four-month break, coupled with what we saw last year with Tampa Bay losing in the first round and Calgary losing in the first round. Now, to be fair, Colorado and Columbus last year, the two teams that beat them were much better than Montreal is right now. But best of five series off a four-month break, nothing's going to shock me at this point. Um, But I completely agree that on paper, Pittsburgh should – I mean, they should sweep this series. I don't think they're going to. I feel like this is your angst speaking, Luke. A Ang-
0: little bit of angst going. I mean, you are in a closet right now.
2: so. He, well, yeah, this is where sure. I'm going to stay until Pittsburgh takes Montreal out. Otherwise, I'm just going to hang out in this closet. What do you By think way, of Malkin's new linemates? Um, well, just bringing up Malkin, the simple fact that he controls the series, really. You know what you're getting out of Crosby. We've seen it in the playoffs in the past where Malkin just doesn't have it or he's hurt. I mean, was that last year? I think it was last year where... it. Uh, you did barely even realize that he was out there. And then when he takes over a, a series, you realize he's he can still be one of the five best players in the world at any time. Um, I don't know what to make of their lines yet other than it's nice to have Gensel back because he wasn't even supposed to be back this season. So in years past, Malkin of the two, between Malkin and Crosby, Malkin's the one you really kind of need to put more skill with than Crosby. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year, though, because I don't know what I don't know what to expect after four months off.
0: I mean, I, I do you like the idea of putting Jason Zucker do, down on that line? And I know Gensel played with him a bunch, but and, and Rust as well. I, I think that's a pretty effective line.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's not he's not the same player like Hornqvist was, but he can do a lot of similar things. You, you kind of need that other shooter on the line because Malkin can shoot just fine, but he needs that other piece there. And and they've always surrounded him with more of the skill options on that quote-unquote second line uh, than they have Crosby, who's led to, like, tether Pascal Dupuis to him for three seasons or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, with all due respect
2: to Pascal Dupuis. Crosby gets the Dupuis and the Connor Shearys and the Chris Kunitz for a while in there. But, I mean, there are certain players that just play better with Crosby than necessarily skill guys do. So, I mean, when Jake Gensel first came up, he wasn't supposed to be some amazing player. He was a third-round pick, and all of a sudden he became one of their best goal scorers. So... And Crosby plays hard minutes too. I think
1: that's that's a factor too. They they ask their centers to do different things, even though they're both all world.
2: Yeah, but I mean to, to play the two hundred foot game is is a uh, that's obviously why Crosby has been so good. So okay, let's do uh, anything else in the series. We want to go to predictions. Prediction time. Is- Okay, yeah, go, Jimmy. I'm sorry. There's
1: nothing else in this series, but like it, uh, the thing I want to mention when I did this, I brought up the goal saves above average um, and doing some research for this. Talking about how just a great example of the volatility of, of that goaltending position over the years. Here are the, the, the bottom seven of qualified goalies in goals uh, saved above average. So the worst seven. Uh, in, in order, Martin Jones, which doesn't shock anybody, Mike Smith, Braden Holtby, Jimmy Howard, Sergei Bobrovsky, Matt Murray, and Devin Dubnik. There's some interesting names on that list, and I don't think that a year ago that many, at least half of those names would have been predicted.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, all of those guys were having some form of success in the last couple of years, and now they're all at the bottom of the league. And and then the other one's Martin Jones, but yeah. Yeah, well, (laughs) he did somehow get to a Stanley Cup. I don't think anybody else remembers it except me. Well, I think that's
0: before everyone realized that he can't move laterally.
2: Yeah, I I do feel like Pittsburgh figured it out at some point Mm -hmm. in that series. I I don't you talk about my angst watching the Penguins. I don't remember being too stressed out in that series. And it was the Stanley Cup against San Jose. I just remember (laughs) thinking, yeah, they could probably score at will here for the most part. And as it turns out, everybody else can on Martin Jones, too. (laughs) Uh, I'll go Penguins in five. I'll go Penguins in four
1: because when okay. the next three after they, they bench Murray after game one. Oh, fine. I'll just I'll pick the sweep then
2: for Pittsburgh. Yes. Okay. I just I didn't know if you're going to get f- four Pits- four Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh. Look, look at you. Yeah, anything could happen. Ugh. Number six Carolina and number eleven New York. Anything can't happen. I was the idiot last year. Oh, I guess I was right that said Columbus could take Tampa out, but then I didn't actually pick them. So I was- yeah. Well, you
1: didn't say it, so put your money where your mouth is. And also, I'm just clipping out that part.
2: Out of context quotes from from the Natty Hattie. We should point this out that Jamie is actually going to be the one editing this podcast, so you're never going to hear it. Uh, Number six, Carolina against the 11-seed New York Rangers. Speaking of teams that
0: were banged up, Carolina was banged up. Carolina's getting Dougie Hamilton back. They're getting Sammy Votnin back. Uh, We saw what Carolina did last year. Um, We'll see if they can repeat this again. I don't think this particular round proves it that they can do it again because – You know, New York snuck in, and I I just I think Carolina's a better team here. But yeah, getting getting some key players back, especially on their back end, is really going to benefit the Hurricanes.
2: New York snuck in, but they're they're going to be a team. I get the feeling that whenever they win a playoff series here coming up, they're not going to be losing them for a while.
1: This is one of the most fascinating series to me because of all of the moving parts. You have the guys coming back on Carolina's blue line. You have a, an unbelievable strong top line the way they play this year with Ajo and Teravina and Shvechnikov who have played a lot mm-hmm. together at the top. Uh, you have a next factor in, in, in Vinny Trocek who was not that far removed from being a 75.2-way guy that we thought Florida was gonna, a big piece Florida was going to build around and hasn't been great the last couple of years and wasn't great in his very brief stint so far uh, in, in Carolina. You got the Coyotes some, wanted. Yeah, you've got goaltending question marks for me. Like, I don't have any faith in in, in the combination of Reimer and Morazic being anything more than just okay uh, in this series. On the other side, you have two players that are playing on opposite lines that have been incredibly productive this year. One of them is an MVP candidate, and Artemi Panarin. Mika Zibanejad has been fantastic. Leads in in average goals per game this year. Did he uh, have a five play- goal game right before the
2: break? He or did. did. I just imagine that. Okay.
1: Chris Kreider's coming back, so he's going to take out at least one goaltender in this series. And <laughs> if they're smart and go with Shesterton in net, which is where which is the option, that's what they should do. He has been their best goaltender. I know he only has got 12 games under his belt so far, but it get, things get really interesting because they're such different teams. Like Carolina is a heavy possession team. The, the Rangers haven't been that. Uh, I think the Rangers could have their question marks on goaltending across the board. You know, defensive strength versus offensive strength. Uh, the Rangers swept them in the regular season series, and with three of those four games being multiple goal victories. Like, this is a very interesting series to me.
2: I, I want to say this on Zibanejad. He scored, in case people haven't... I mean, Panarin gets all the uh, attention, and at the start of the year, Capocacco was too, just for his uh, where he was taken in the draft and how much we heard about him last year. Zibanejad scored against Detroit, big deal, but just bear with me, on uh, on January 31st. And never again went more than one game without a goal until the pause. Uh, Their last game was March 11th against Colorado. He went into the pause on a six-game goal-scoring streak, and he had 11 goals in those six games, so that's pretty good. And then, again, prior to that, he went one game without a goal, and then he was on a six-game goal-scoring streak before that. It's not like he was going goal one game and then none the next game. He would, like, score in four or five straight and then not score for one game and then get going again. I mean, Zibanejid had 41 goals this year. And that's not—I don't think that that was talked about enough as the season went on. The Rangers are dangerous, man. That's fair. Uh, again, and if we go, if we ascribe
0: to the theory that teams that have a lot of skill are going to benefit early in the postseason, then they could really be a dangerous team. But uh, you know, again, the counter to that is he doesn't have any momentum anymore. He's—he's he's not the red-hot goal scorer that he was because we've been off for four months. Yeah. I'm really I do you do you think this this goaltending decision for the Rangers should be easy, right?
1: Yes. If if you if you're going on pure merit and not lifetime achievement award. Yes. I mean he I mean it, the rookie's been better than Lonquist this year. He's been better than Georgiev like it's just he's been again, small sample size, I get it, but He's been better. And this, again, goes back – Not it's not quite the same, but it goes a little bit back to that Pittsburgh argument of, do you go with the playoff experience in air quotes or do you go with the goaltender that has been better for you this year? I'm, I'm not certain they're going to – I'm not certain that they won't start Lundqvist in game one. I just don't think that's the right call if they do.
2: The Rangers are one of those teams that really have nothing to lose in this tournament, right? I mean, we all think right. they're going to be very good. They've made a ton of brilliant moves in the last two years, let's say – but if they go, if they get swept by Carolina, you're all still going to feel good about the Rangers going into next year. So, in that regard, I'd almost say, yeah, just go with Shostakin because he's your future and goal anyway. But more importantly than that, you don't you don't think about your future in the playoffs. He gives you your best chance to win right now. Now, I get the counter is Lundquist has been here before, and when he's on, he's on, and he, we've seen him carry this team in the playoffs before. But if if they go with that plan of putting Lundqvist out there in game one and he gets shelled, then I feel like you just embarrass Lundqvist and put yourself down one nothing. Not like I think you would get shelled, but I just think Shesterkin gives him a better chance to win right now.
0: Yeah, I do think he's a better goalie. I, I think that's what you have to go on in in the end. I uh, mean, there's, there's a, a train of thought that says maybe Hen- Henrik Lundqvist can be the guy that sort of shepherds this young core into the future by playing the way he can play in the postseason, getting them a series win. And then, then suddenly they take off from there. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at this, but if you're simply going on who the better goalie is this season,
2: I don't think Lundqvist can play. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's return. He kind of touched on that, but that, that is big. And uh, Artemi Panarin coming off the, um, He's going to finish third in MVP voting, but I mean, he he has. I don't want to say the Rangers are his team because again, Zabana has been amazing, and they they have built a pretty balanced uh, group behind those two. But he's certainly the one that can just take over a series out of anybody in this series. It's funny. I have a
0: a a weird sort of. I had a weird memory of him in the postseason until I went and looked at his postseason stats because. The postseason performance that sticks out in my mind is that year the Blackhawks got swept by Nashville in the first round and they couldn't score at all. And Artemi Panarin was just invisible in that series. But if you go and look at his numbers overall, that's really the only down year he's had in the postseason. Yeah. He's been a good postseason performer.
2: Yeah, you just assume he's going to show up and if that series goes five games, he's probably going to have six points somehow, whether it's two goals and four assists or whatever. He's, he's probably – and this is why, I mean, when we get to predictions, I feel pretty good about the Rangers because – him and Zabinajad, I just feel like they will produce. I don't feel, especially with Panera, I don't feel like he's going to be overwhelmed by the moment because he already has a ton of experience in these moments with Chicago. So who you got, Luke? This is one of those series, this is like in March Madness where you fill out your bracket and you take the team that has like all the talented freshmen and is much more talented. The three-point shooting team? team. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to, this is when you take the talented team that loses, but I'm going to take the Rangers, and I'm going to take them in. I'll go five here too. Jamie, Rangers in five. I'm going to go with the Hurricanes in five. Hmm. I don't Not, doubt that Carolina's a better team right now. Uh,
0: this is. To I like my, the I like the return on the on the back end. I, I really like the fact that Carolina is getting healthy. Yeah.
2: That's two series we've talked about, and each of them had a really big player come back that may not have come back uh, if if there wasn't a pause in the middle of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Common theme uh, in this postseason, yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay, on to the Islanders and Panthers, seven seed versus the ten seed. Craig's first note is, does anyone care about this series? Well, Craig, I care about this series. <laughs> I don't know what channel it's on, though. A L- lot the- of rings behind
1: the bench for this series.
0: <laughs> yes, there's, there is that. Yes. Seriously, of, of the Eastern Conference series, though, uh, if you had to rank them in, in terms of watchability for yourself, uh, where would this one rank? Uh, in the East, yeah. it's it's last.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, Florida, it has the, it has the benefit of not being Minnesota-Vancouver, which again is, I mean, damning with faint praise, but
2: yeah I mean I don't I don't think this series is, is anywhere near Minnesota Vancouver like Florida is a fun team to watch but I you know I do remember watching the Islanders last year and at a certain point just not watching their series anymore and hoping they would get eliminated because they were boring um, more power to them for playing that sort of smothering team defense but Craig as you uh, pointed out earlier in the show those are the teams that might get stung the most by having four months off I mean this this series is the definition of a more talented team with Florida with Markov and Huberto and I mean they've got some pieces that could score and the Islanders are probably the better team collectively with the defense and everything but if they you know if, if it takes them two games to get back into that rhythm that's probably too late
1: I'm worried about the Islanders and here's why one we've already touched on it that i feel like their defensive system and that's a, that's a structure based team that might not be able to get back up to speed after one game the other thing too is they started so hot that and obviously we've had a lot of other issues to deal with in the world recently that people kind of forgot that since november 21st their record 19 20 and 9 they're yeah. 19 and 29 basically since thanksgiving they have they were not playing great hockey uh, so, Mike, those two things together have me concerned. And look, the Panthers have a lot of flaws on their own, and the biggest one is that they're paying ten million dollars a year to a goaltender that hasn't been able to stop anything this year.
2: Yes, but if, if he shows up, though, that's probably lights out
0: for New York. But it is—that's yeah. a big question. That's a, that's a huge concern for Florida. I if agree with Jamie on that.
1: If he's just average, if you tell me right now he'll give up exactly three goals a game every game, Florida wins this. Florida can sweep this series. Yeah, but he's been giving up three goals in periods. He's been giving year, up three goals on one shot. I mean, look, like, remember the jokes that we were making, I was making with you all year about bet Florida Panthers overs? Yes. Uh, because of the way that the structure, like, every over. game they played allowed was like seven to nine goals every single game. And because yeah. they would give up three or four, then have to claw back the entire rest of the game and then come back and tie it. That's why
2: I think that, this could be an interesting series.
1: It could be. Th- this is a one player series for me. the 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 Florida has way more firepower than the Islanders do it's me it's all about whether Bobrovsky plays anywhere close to what his past performance has been if he plays like he's done all year this year this will be a close series if he plays closer to what not, not even Vezina caliber but just like a good goaltender Florida should win this series
0: what do you make of the coaching matchup I in most cases I'd look at this and say well you know, Joe Quenville is one of the best bench tacticians I've ever watched. His in-game adjustments are really good, but the guy he's going up against is, without question, one of the best coaches in the NHL. I mean, do we just consider this a wash?
1: I would still give. I maybe give the edge here slightly to Trotz, only because he's been with this team longer.
0: Yeah, you know, he, I mean, I mean,
1: fair. I mean, because this is, you know, Quenville hasn't been quite with this this unit quite as long. There have been pieces they moved out. I mean, so it's. I, I don't know how to quantify that
2: for this series. but This is the best coaching matchup of the first round, right? No question. Nope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, two of the all-time greats. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in this series. And, and sort of to Jamie's point, I mean, if Bobrovsky, if he, if he takes over the way he has certainly numerous times in the past, then I think Florida wins this fairly easily. But I, I can still see a scenario where Bobrovsky looks kind of shaky, not terrible. He can't be the way he was at, at stretches during the season where he was just awful. But if he's just, you know, if he's okay, I still think they could win. Even if he's kind of bad, I still think they could win this series. And the Islanders did close out the season losing 11 of their last 13, which, like you said, doesn't mean anything. The flip side to that is I would look at the start of the season, how quickly could they start out of the gate? They lost three of their first four, too.
1: I don't mean it more of like, look, negative momentum doesn't carry over any more than positive momentum does, but it's more of that I I think it, it speaks to. The true talent level of the Islanders, where I think is somewhere in the middle between that hot start and that terrible finish, which is I think is a a good, not great team that relies on its system, and relies on great goaltending to make up for some of its other deficits. And the concern is going to be, to me, is that is that structure going to be in place quick enough for this? Where Florida is plays a much faster game; They're, they have way more high end offensive talent, but it's not going to matter if Bobrovsky allows five goals.
0: So who you got? Uh, I'll t- I'm taking Florida and four. I'm taking Florida and five.
2: Yeah, I'm going Florida and five too. I'm mm. just going to pick five forever series. Apparently, well, not the last one, but um hey, I, I'm on board for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> gonna make up for lost time. Hockey all day, every day. I I do wonder if we're going to watch some of these series and just I mean, the, if the scoring is just going to be ridiculous. If it's going to be like eight to six in some of these games, and it's uh. going to be. Like, just I hope so, Swing on Saturday. <laughs> I, I know Jamie wants that to happen. I don't know. I just, it, it, it's not going to be that way in every series. I mean, they may not even play with a puck in the Vancouver, Minnesota series for all I know. But I could see this, uh, especially that Rangers series. I could see games just being like, oh yeah, like an all-star game almost. Where it's like, okay, now they just come down the ice and score. And the other team goes back. And that'll be fun for a round. But I mean, I do like the uh, the structure and intensity of the playoffs too, to, to get mixed in there. Okay, so we all have Florida. We all have Pittsburgh. Me and Jamie have the Rangers and Craig has Carolina. Is that right? Yep. By the way,
1: to to that point, just for those that – I mean, couching, I I told Luke uh, that I sent him a message a while back that for that Saturday, I basically took the over – uh, goal total in every game on Saturday. I said, we're just going to be Uber Eats and goals. Um, but I, I do think there, and again, most of it is more for like, it's more fun to vote for overs. So this is, this is not betting advice as much as it is fun advice. But I do think there is something to these games, just be, these games breaking structure and becoming free for alls quicker than any other game that we've seen in a while and definitely quicker than any playoff games we have seen uh, in some time.
2: At least the first couple games. I mean, yes. if that goes on for too long in the series, Trotz will go out there. He'll just grab a stick and play defense himself if he has to because Trotz likes structure. But, uh, but and the books will the first adjust. Couple. Yeah, yeah. Okay, final series in the Eastern Conference, Number 8 Toronto, Number 9 Columbus. I saw – I don't know where I find these people, but I saw an argument from a fairly reputable name about how Mitch Marner should, if he's not going to be a Selkie finalist this year, should be considered in the very near future. The list okay. of uh, of centers that okay. should be Selkie finalists, and, and even wingers ahead of Mitch Marner. <laughs> Nothing against Marner, who's a great player, but
0: uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah, no,
1: okay.
2: That, that just it, it. moving right along.
0: Did you see uh, the uh, the line that the Leafs rolled out? I practice? did the yeah. nuclear option. Indeed, yes. are we going to see that? Was he just teasing people? I, I feel think like just he. Teasing.
2: I feel like he threw it out there because he knew the, the media would run with it, and then Columbus at least has to be aware of it, right? As yeah. if they weren't already. We're talking Matthews, Tavares, and,
0: and Marner. Yeah. That's the nuclear option. I would love to see that line play at some point. You're going to see
2: it. I hope so. I definitely think we're going to see it. Unless are we going to see it five-on-five, five, though? Yeah, I think we will. Okay. We'll see it late in the game if Toronto's losing, or we'll see it. I I, I don't know exactly how many minutes we're going to see it, but I guarantee you we see that. Three times at least in this series. I mean, it's the playoffs. You have to. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's. You're not saving anything for the next round if you're if you're in any sort of danger. So yeah, especially for the Maple Leafs. Like that. They...
0: <laughs> Listen, uh, forwards and offense are not the problem for Toronto, as we know. Um, no. it's, it's the other end of the ice, and one of the big names there is Tyson Berry, of course, who I think a lot of people thought would fit like a glove when he came to Toronto, and well, he has he not. The glove I shrank, or I, I don't know what happened. Uh, but they really need him to find his game because Toronto, as we've been saying all season long,
2: needs improvement from its blue line. He was like the hockey glove that you leave in your bag when it still has ice in the palm, and then you pull it out, and it, the, like the water has eaten through it, and there's holes in his game. That's what Tyson Berry has been this season. Also, the other half of the trade where Jamie thought uh, Colorado got ripped off.
1: I, I thought Tyson Berry would be a much better player than he's been in Toronto. So, um, no. I thought he would be the player. He wasn't in Colorado in Toronto, but you know, <laughs> How crazy you? Not. Um, this is interesting to me in the sense that I think that the Maple Leafs might be the only team that I think I can feel like has a tangible benefit from this long layoff and things being structured the way that they are uh, because of the way things were going late in the season. Because I think Columbus's best, uh, not quite like the Islanders, but I think a little bit like the Islanders, where they're structured with under Tortorella is a real benefit to them that they might not be able to get up to speed in time. Uh, and because at least in the bubble, I mean, there's still the media speculation is going to still be crazy, but it's not quite the same as it would have been if they were struggling for periods or struggling for a game one or something, as it would be. You know, if if they're playing at home and they lose game one to Columbus and then have to like go out in public, uh, I just I I think that there's only a little bit of benefit for them. Uh, To me, the only to me the intrigue in the series, and 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 I give Columbus and Tortorella a ton of credit for getting to this point because, by all means, on paper they shouldn't have, especially given the way that all the players that they ended up losing, some from last offseason to this offseason or to this season, but. This kind of feels like either Toronto's going to choke this away or they're going to sweep. Like this doesn't feel like about it doesn't feel like it's going to be about Columbus at all.
2: No. No, I agree. I I completely agree. I mean the 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 aspect of them playing the games at home, so in some regard they do I guess have a home not home ice advantage but the advantage of of being in their own city they don't have to travel at all, I guess. I mean that's that's something. But the uh the flip side is it's going to be easier for them to avoid media scrutiny because they're in that bubble, but it also could be right there. They know it's right outside the door. If they start to struggle, I don't think they're going to struggle. I think, I mean, Columbus overachieved to get to this point. I don't even know who Columbus's goalie is going to be. I mean, Merzlikins was outstanding, but that was again, four months ago. I think Toronto sweeps the series.
0: Mm. Sweep. Wow. Okay. Sweet. You just came out with your prediction early. I did. Yeah, the, the goal obviously, is a, is a question mark for them. First of all, who they're, who they're going with. But uh, the Jackets also got healthy, like we've talked about with a bunch of other teams. I think that's going to help. And we saw what they did to Tampa Bay, the style of play. And I think that same style could be effective against Toronto. So much so that I'm going to pick the Blue Jackets in this series Whoa. in five games. Really? I'm going for the shocker.
2: I I will say if this is, this is probably the series and Jamie sort of alluded to this, that that is impacted the most in my mind by the layoff. If this was just, they just wrapped up the regular season two days ago and now we're starting the playoffs in a couple days, I would give Columbus a much better chance to at least push this to six or seven in a best of seven. But I just, if we're, if we're going under the assumption that skill is going to win out in these early rounds, Columbus has a lot of questions. They are the definition of a team that needs to sort of get everybody on the same page Whereas Matthews could just win a game by himself or Marner could just win a game by himself. And if that's the case, they could run Columbus right out of there.
0: Columbus wins in five and then they discover a a clause, a a little known contract in, in in a a little known clause in Austin Matthews contract that allows him to come to Arizona. That's what's happening. (laughs) Start it right now.
2: Okay. Rumors out there. there. Okay. Jamie, do you have a pick? Uh,
1: Toronto in four. I'll I'll give, I'll give Columbus a little credit, uh, but I I don't think this is going to be that much of a series. I'm just don't having fun here.
2: Great that I have picked all the same winners as Jamie in the first round. That's uh, that is concerning for me. Um, all right. We want to do listener questions here. Let's do it. All right. That's, um, there's some of these we may have addressed with the hall stuff early on, but I suspect we did. Let's go through these. P Mart lock the three of you in a room. Who comes out alive? All right. I
0: thought about this actually. It's it's okay. yeah yeah. I, I think you're too nice, so I don't think you come out. Okay. Yeah, um, I I, I, I don't can know, be a little heard. nasty, but I think Jamie's unpredictable, so I'm gonna go with Jamie.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know why the listeners want to drive us apart like this and make me say that it's clearly gonna be me. But um, you know, I feel like these types of questions just just serve to divide us. On the counterpoint
2: though, um, Jamie even if he won would be too lazy to actually leave the room. So if you're waiting outside the room to see who the winner is, sure. you may never actually know. So it's like Schrodinger's podcast host. So did you, did you answer the question, Luke? <laughs> see, I think, I think Craig would actually come out. He would probably outwit both of us and he would give us a very, um he, he, he would win with his condescending tone. I feel like that would be your superpower. Mm. Ah, okay. like this. Okay. And it might disarm us early and then, yeah. Um, and plus you have those pink headphones that, I mean, they just give you that. It's true. Be, Not distract today, us. sir. Not today. And you'd probably bring Burger King in. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways you could go with things. And you, we know you'd be trying to protect your ducks. Oh, wait, yeah, no, I mean, you wouldn't actually. No, no. I got to look out for all the ducks. I've you know I've The got, ducks are the ones that are waiting for us outside the door. <laughs> Eldon writes in, of the four major sports leagues, rank which leagues have the best to worst league to players union relationships? Ooh. I feel like this has changed a lot in the last four months. Best to worst.
1: Well, it depends on what criteria, because to me, the best is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It depends on what, what criteria are you saying for the players? I think he's um, just
2: saying overall relationships. So like, like which, which working relationship. Work, yeah. Okay. Which ones work together the best. I would say the NBA is number one. And I would yeah. say, the, I would go yeah. NBA, NHL baseball football although football has been a lot better than baseball in the last couple months
0: yeah it's easy to uh you know work with the players when you don't give them guaranteed
2: contracts so yeah (laughs) yeah it's true jamie any any thoughts here before we move on to dangle snipe belly's questions no wow somebody actually asked a non-hockey question and jamie didn't jump all over it oh i
1: mean i I said it like it, it it depends on what the the criteria is all right. Because this, this it just relations everything is not, is fine and dandy until so you actually have to negotiate something and then everybody hates each other again.
2: So like this, it 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 changes constantly. This is a, a very important question that Dangle Snipe Belly opens with. Did Craig ever figure out the little Caesar stuffed figure mystery? I did not. And I'm a little upset that you brought it up
0: because now I'm gonna be thinking about it again. You have it in your house though, right? Mm, somewhere, yes.
2: Can you sort of rehash the, the, rehash the story for people?
0: To, uh, it, it, first of all, he's in a similar place as your ducks. Your ducks. Yes. Confined.
2: We should get them all together. I'll leave it that way.
0: Now, road game at Detroit last year. Found a gift bag in my room from Little Caesars that included the pizza pizza guy, uh, a pizza cutter, and a really sweet coffee mug, uh, thermos. Um, but I have no idea where it came from. It did not come from the Red Wings. It did not come from Little Caesars. It did not come from the hotel. It did not come from
2: anybody that I asked. There it was. Did it talk to you in the middle of the night or no? I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let's get one more here because I think we're running out of time. In the sense, this is not my fault that we're not reading these questions. If we're going to get cut off by the uh, the recording. Yeah, of course it's your fault, Luke um let's go with uh i want to ask let's finish Dangle Snipe belly back to the burger oh. debate last week is it really fast food if there isn't a drive through option at most locations that's mm-hmm. a fair point it is it's a good question it, it, i don't know it
1: is um i i don't think so you're saying anybody who's fast ever food. it isn't and anyone who's ever been to five guys knows the word fast isn't one isn't, a, isn't an adjective yeah, yeah. use. And,
0: and it can't be fast if you can't drive through anyway although the paradox of american society is that often the drive through is slower than going into the restaurant itself True, but the laziness
2: factor. Like, I don't have to get up. True. Okay, yeah, we are about to get cut off. So I'm going to read one more. And then, what well, we're going to try and get to these questions next week. Most of them won't be outdated. I mean, they're all, yeah, we'll, they're all pretty much evergreen here. Okay, yeah, we'll get last, to next week with our West Conference preview. Last one then. Uh, this is from Kevin. Has Craig had a chance to listen to Tony D'Angelo's new podcast?
0: <laughs> uh, no, and I won't be doing so.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, we are going to come back and we'll do the Western Conference preview. We'll do an extended look at the Coyote series, certainly. And I don't know, do we want to split that up and maybe just do listener questions as a bonus episode next week or something? We'll figure something out.
0: I think uh, you should probably just go on Twitter afterward and answer all the questions that remain unanswered.
2: All right, But I'm going to answer them the way I want to answer them. Okay. So just be ready for oh, that. Like <laughs> one letter each? <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be a good letter. Okay. All right. uh, that's gonna do it for us that is our eastern conference preview everybody just remember what we are now 10 days away as we record this from the start of the nhl playoffs finally for craig morgan and jamie eisner i'm luke lipinski thanks for listening to the natural hat trick podcast